Hello and welcome to another episode of Harder Not Smarter, where we dive into the world of veteran entrepreneurship, military transitions, and cultivating an unbreakable mindset. This show is hosted by former Navy SEAL Kevin Seif and yours truly, former Green Beret, Greg Van Dyne. Join me in welcoming Surrender Good, the voice of military spouse entrepreneurship and host of The Good Show. Surrender brings a wealth of experience spanning the UK, Middle East, and the US. She is not only a senior enlisted military spouse, but also a thriving entrepreneur. During this episode, we'll talk about Surrender's journey into entrepreneurship, her 14 years of success as the owner-operator of Surrender's Coffee Shack in San Diego, California, and her ultimate decision to close up shop to prioritize family and pursue new ambitions. Stay tuned as Surrender shares her insights, experiences, and invaluable wisdom on navigating the intricate terrain of entrepreneurship and military life. Go and have fun with it. I don't. I don't doubt it's gonna. It's gonna go a fun way with you anyway. So, uh, <laughs> it, it always does. So surrendered. Welcome to the harder, not smarter show. No, have have the have the coffee uh, up in your face. I, I do too. Hey, guys. Thank you for having me on. So surrender was the, or I'd say still the the matriarch of all the SoCal based coffee shops. As you can see in the background, the the surrenders coffee uh, placard. These things were dotted all over the you know, Camp Pendleton, Miramar. Point Loma, 32nd Street, North Island, Coronado. And there's a bunch in there. There's like 16 of them total that, that she had across the area. Um, and the remarkable thing is that she stood each of these up. I mean, Surrender is an absolute entrepreneur through and through um, and has been a, a staple of the Naval Special Warfare community. Her husband uh, just recently retired after 30 years, um, and she's been with him the whole time. Uh, yeah, through through the thick and thin of 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 all of that, um, and now she's recently starting up her own podcast, The Good Show, and she's been nominated or selected pretty much as the the voice of military spouse entrepreneurs. Um, she is a force to be reckoned with. She knows pretty much everybody in the community, um, and is always looking to to help out veteran service members, spouses. Um, you name it, she's always lending a helping hand. So welcome to the show, Surrender. Wow, what a great introduction. I feel like my head's like... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you for both of you having me on. No, it's, it's our pleasure. So you, you have to tell us, you know, you have um, ex exotic features. You have the British or, British or Scottish accent. British until I go home and then I revert back to Scottish. It, it's all over the place. So you grew up yeah. in, grew up in in the UK in various spots. Somehow got married to a seal. Has have been with him for thirty plus years through his career. Have kids. Been through diplomas. How did that whole thing come about? Uh, basically, you know, I always knew from a very early age I was geographically born in the wrong country. I knew that, and. Um, when the Gulf War happened, I was like, peace out, people. I'm heading out to the Middle East. And I remember my dad looking at me going, what are you, crazy? There's a war going on out there. And I'm like, yeah, that means the economy is going to be booming, you know. Um, so I moved to the Middle East. And back in the day, I don't know what, you know, we had a lot of fun with it. We were trolley dogs, right? We worked for Gulf Air. Um, and we had a blast. It was a great job. Got to travel, see, you know, um, great you know parts of the world um and then you know i was in bahrain and of course you guys used to come through and so i that was my first interaction with the military you, you guys being team guys special operations people 
Yeah, military. military. You know, so I'm going to be honest with you. Bill said to me, I remember. You can't just say time. you people in this show. <laughs> We're politically sensitive. <laughs> yeah, we are a very politically correct podcast, so we need <laughs> to button it up. Again. You guys look real <laughs> sensitive to me. Um, yeah, team guys used to come through. But I didn't know what team guys were, and I really didn't give a shit, to be honest with you, because I was there for one reason. I was there just to make money. Um, but this incident occurred where there was uh, the bombing of the Cobar Towers. And I was in Bahrain, 30 minutes away. And I, I think it was the first time I really felt unsafe. Now, this is going to sound really corny to every American listening. But as a Brit growing up, my idea of America was John Wayne, the mailbox in the front yard, the basketball, you know what I mean? Um, who else did we love? Oh, a dirty Harry, you know what I mean? Um, so when I, you know, so that was my idea of America. So this cobalt thing happened, right? And I remember being in a bar, go figure. And um, typical, typical. And, and I remember saying to some guy, American guy, I was like, dude, that's, this is like crazy, man. I, you know, this is scary shit. And he turned around to me, and I know it sounds corny, cool, he turned around to me and he went, don't worry, we're here. And coupled <laughs> with the American accent, I just thought... This is like John Wayne line. Isn't it? It totally, totally. Don't worry, and, the cavalry yeah. has arrived. Yeah. <laughs> but you gotta, you got to understand. I mean, to my ears at that time, it was scary. You know, the scariest thing I'd been in was what... Uh, a bad landing, you know, a little bumpy landing. So to me, it was, you know, it was scary. So as corny as it sounds, you know. Anyway, I left there. I, you know, I came to Coronado. I came to visit a gal, you know, a friend of mine that had married a team guy. While I was here, I bumped into my guy. And we spent six days together. And after that six-day period, long, you know, little, I, I flew back one more time. It was a weekend. It was July the 4th. Um, went back to the Middle East. He called me, said, hey, what do you think? I said, roger that, I'm heading over. And that was it. I moved over and um, it, it's, it was everything I expected it to be. That sounds, how have I never heard this story from you? That sounds so eerily similar Six to... Days? Yeah. I mean, and that's you amazing. You beat Kristen and me. So I met Kristen, I was stationed in Korea. She was living in Hawaii. She had just quit being a school teacher out there because the Hawaiian school system sucks. Uh, she lasted all of one year and uh, was took a job at a bar. I think it was the second night she was working there just to figure out what she was going to be doing next. Uh, I ran into her totally sober, of course. Yeah. And, um, you know, she, she was working the bar. I uh, asked for her number. She's like, I work a lot. I'm like, that's cool. Um, well, when do you work next? She said tomorrow night. I came back the next night. She gave me her number. We went surfing a couple nights later, hung out for the next three weeks in Hawaii. I went back to Korea. She flew out there for three weeks. So I met her on like September 1st. Um, she flew out to Korea for three weeks. And then when she flew back over FaceTime, we were just chatting. And then by the end of the conversation, we're like, so are we getting married? And then wow. January uh, or uh, December 31st, New Year's Eve, we, uh, we got married. So four months later from the day I met her, doing a destination wedding in Hawaii, when she's from New York, I'm from California. I'm living in New York. She's living in Hawaii. We're like, no one's. This is gonna be a uh, inconvenient wedding for everyone involved. So we're just gonna kind of do it. But yeah, I, I didn't know that you, you uh, and Good beat Kristen yeah. in, in our timeline. We had like you know, six I weeks did, together. 
I just knew, and I was never that gal that was look. I was quite happy being just me doing my thing. I didn't need, you know, a boyfriend, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, um, I think sometimes that when you're not looking for the relationship, you know, it happens. And I am going to say this, and I don't say this often enough, but I did marry the cream of the crop. I mean, dude is amazing. I mean, everybody knows him. We have this little saying in the house every now and again, we'll look at each other and we'll go, You're a good motherfucker, you know that? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if if there's any advice to to give new married couples, old married couples, whatever you want to say, I think that right there is it. You just look at each other and be like, You're looking good, motherfucker. Yeah. There's a reason why you marry that person. Do you know what I mean? So, um, and you know, and the thing is with my coffee business and everything else that I've done forward, moving forward in the world of entrepreneurship, it's been really important to have that support of your partner, you know, because um, especially if one is traveling, you know, and you've got shit going on, if you don't have that support, then it's really difficult. So, cheers, good. You're a good motherfucker. <laughs> Well, okay, congrats to you guys on that. So, what, what's next uh, uh, on the docket for for you guys now? Actually, if you want to first get into um, you know just the the coffee empire that that you built on base and how that start um, and is it still around? About- Are you still running? No, you know something. In 2016, um, I kind of like uh, so I was down my last location over at North Island, um, and it was very sad for me. I mean, I was on base for 14, 15 years. I feel like I was in the military, you know. In fact, somebody said to me at one point, hey, listen, Serinda, we're going to give you a retirement ceremony, you know. Hey, <laughs> you didn't give it to me, right? Still waiting on it. <laughs> you know, but, um, but it started real simple, guys. I, I was going down to the base. It was an ungodly hour. And I turned around to Goode and I said, hey, listen, where can I get coffee from? And he said to me, um, Chief's Mess. And I went, oh, I said, do they do lattes? And he said to me, uh, no. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I just started thinking to myself. You'd be lucky if they had creamer in there. <laughs> I was thinking, why don't they have this, though? I mean, it makes perfect sense to me. So I drove around a couple of bases, uh, had a look, um, the very next day, I went home, um, came home, wrote out my business plan. I decided that was what I wanted to do. And it's very rudimentary. I mean, you know, if I look at it now, and I do sometimes, and I think, oh, my God, you know. Um, but it's very basic. Hey, I want to open a coffee location. I want it outside the exchange. This is how big of a space I need. Uh, I've got no experience. Uh, I've got no credit. I've just moved to the, com- the country. Uh, but I know what I'm doing. Trust me. You know, and they kind of looked at it and went, uh, no. So I went back every Tuesday. Every Tuesday I went back to the Navy Exchange and I went, hey, you need me. You need me. And every Tuesday they went, no. So I got smart. Went back on a Thursday and I went, hey, you need me. (laughs) And to be honest with you, I think they got to a point where they just thought, she's here every week, you know. Just give it to her. And the other thing was I turned around to them and I said, I think you're missing 
you know, you're missing something here. All you guys have to do is give me a space, give me some utilities. I set everything up. And then at the end of the month, I give you a nice big fat check. That's it. You know? Um, that's a good business that, pitch right there. Yeah. You know, and uh, that's how it started. You know, um, first location, cart one, never forget it. Rolled up outside the base at 3.30 in the morning. Stopped my truck. Got out, walked off the side of the road, and I vomited like the exorcist. <laughs> and, and I remember thinking, okay, you wanted this. You better go do it now, you know? I was so nervous. I just thought, what if they don't like me? What if they don't understand me? What if I fuck this up? I've just moved out of a job where I was getting paid six figures plus. And I'm telling my husband, hey, man, I'm going to open the coffee cart. I drink tea, but I'm an open coffee car. You know, a crazy town. But um, I opened it. Um, shit went real hairy, scary the first couple of days. And I made a mental point to myself. The only thing that mattered to me was when they walked away, when you guys walked away from my coffee car, your experience was good. That's all I cared about. The coffee could have sucked ass. But the experience was good. That was it. That was my business plan. And there was always good banter. I think, so. I think that's great too, because you get with so many people that are on base and so many of these like government contractors that you have to deal with that are just like clocking in and clocking out and yeah. don't give you the time. I mean, you know, the civilian rank is the highest rank in the military, right? So yeah. having somebody on base, that's like just someone that you can like decompress with over coffee or, and have a good experience with would be huge. Oh, I tell you, that's why I started my podcast because I really regret not recording those conversations. I mean, I know, we know, you know, they were incredibly inappropriate, but so funny, you know? I mean, and it was complete role reversal of the car. I freely admit it, you know? I mean, I'd turn around to the guys and I'd be like, check you out. And they'd be like, no. And I'd be like, come on, give an old lady a jollies. <laughs> you know, I mean, I talk smack to them all day long. And my baristas, if any of my baristas see this podcast, I want you all to know, you guys are the best fucking team I ever had. I mean, they were awesome. And they did so much because your team is an extension of you, you know. So mm -hmm. I'm very proud of them. I just love the, the story you told me about the, so you used to have the, the coffee cart right next to the exchange and you'd see people walking out with a cup of coffee from the exchange instead of yours. Well, I was by the Mickey D's and, um, you know, and they didn't do lattes or anything at that time, you know, it was only regular coffee. And I remember I was standing there one day. This is Cafe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, this guy walked by and I went, Hey, you get that coffee from McDonald's, did you? And he went, yeah. And I went, I hope you get the shits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he was like, yeah, thanks. And he came back and he said, right yeah, enough, you get the shits. You know? It's like when I took away the, um, one day I went to work and I thought, no more smalls. I'm not selling no 12-ounce coffee. Who buys that, right? And actually, 12-ounce coffees are more expensive than 20-ounce. So I took all of the small cups away, didn't tell anybody, 
Because when I when guys used to come up to me to get a coffee, I just gave you a large cup, took the money, gave you great service, smacked you on the ass, and wished you a happy Navy Day. Nobody ever spoke back. So I was with one of my girls, and she said to me, "Why am I going to stay? Why am I going to stay?" I said, "Listen, he ain't saying shit." When he comes up and he goes, hey, you want a coffee? You give him the large end of small. You know, biggie, man. So, of course, my first guy comes up. She goes up, oh, he, you know, gives him the coffee cup. And he goes, um, no, I don't want a large. And I thought, oh, here we go. First guy, right? And I looked at him and I went, seriously? You don't want a large. So let me get this straight. Because I'm just looking out to you, bro, okay? You want to go into work holding your head up high with a small? Oh, come on. Fuck. Here's your large. Take it to work. Go in and boast. I got a large. I got a large. <laughs> One seventy-five, please. He gave me the money. He went. Okay. Off you went. I was like, there you go, girl. That's what you do. You, you don't want to look like Shaq holding a soda can. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever I seen said, those pictures? There's yeah. pictures all over the internet of Shaq holding things that just look ridiculous. Like a can of soda looks like he's holding a little mini yeah. can. His shoes. No, next I'm to sure people. that I have seen. They're great. Ain't no man gonna be boasting about a small. Let's be honest. No. Yeah. So, you guys were very easy to deal with, easiest customers in the world. And for me, um, and I was telling somebody this the other day, that military environment for me, from the culture and the era that I come from, to be able to walk onto a base. And be wacko jacko coffee lady behind the coffee cup. No, I don't even wear a wedding ring. No, you could wear a Do you know what I mean? Um, but for everybody just to accept me, no judgment, just come and just have good conversation, that to me is huge. That's mm -hmm. why I hold um, the military so dear because for me, my experience as a spouse. And as a business owner on base, I was supported 100% by everybody that, you know, bought coffee from me. And again, no judgment. Everybody knew I was going to cuss at them. Everybody knew I was going to say something inappropriate. And I'll begin shit. <laughs> <laughs> and so as, as you were building this out, you know, you, you had, um, you started with the first one, I'm assuming right there on, on NAB Coronado was your first yeah. spot. And then you expanded up from there. And you, you told me that you stood up each of those locations yourself. You, mm -hmm. You'd sit out front from, you know, three in the morning until seven in the morning, counting the number of people literally yeah. with a clicker, yeah. figuring out how many people will walk by there. Yeah. Um, and then learn the customers yourself before you had hired anybody else to, to work that location. That's true. I had to work it to, to build it because as we all know, when your name's on the, you know, when you own it, it starts with you, it stops with you, and um, you, you've got to lead right. I, you know, um, I had to work those locations to build those sales, to create relationships, and also, more importantly, that when my barista joined me, I would be able to make introductions, make her feel comfortable. It's not just cold, you know. Um, that was important to me because... You know, I, I, you want your team to to know the environment, be introduced. You want to set them up for success. 
So, um, yeah, I worked them. And um, you have to. You have to. There's no other way. That's, that's what was your rhythm the, like at, at the height when sorry? you had the most shops? What was your rhythm like at the height of your shops when you had the most? I mean, how did you how did you manage all of those locations? How did you prioritize where you were going to be? I had exceptional baristas. Now we are going back, you know, twenty odd years. It was a different young mindset at that time as well. And what I realized, I had, I had, listen, I do things a little bit outside of the box, right? Um, my baristas did the hiring more so than me. I let them hire, right? I had very simple rules. And my rules were, you know, you don't bitch about each other. We don't build that kind of cancer. We work as a team. If you can't, somebody has to fucking eat. It's really that simple. I got shit to do. I had a kid at the time as well. You know, dude was on deployment and the rest of it. My baristas just had exceptional work ethic. They loved their job. They were patriotic. They, uh, let's be honest here. We were, I mean, I was a lot younger, right? Um, yeah. My baristas were 24, 23, hot to trot. And I've given them a job surrounded by all the eye candy in the world. You'd be an idiot to want to lose it. And all you're doing is making coffee. And part of your job is to actually have conversation with the guys. That's part of your job. But there were rules. Hey, you can have conversation. But they, you know what I'm saying? We, we don't. This it ends at conversations. Yeah. That's it. Now, I know a couple of times that slips through my fingers. And my barista married the team guy. And, you know, um that shit happens, but you know. Hey, you're you're a matchmaker too. No, don't don't no no. I want, I want no part of that. <laughs> and so, uh, as you're getting to the height of it, what was it? You were just having issues with the the exchange. That you saw too many dollar signs on on your forehead, and they tried to to squeeze you a little bit. Well, the thing is this: I, you know, the exchange. I will say this. Um, were very good to me. Yes, of course, the bottom, it's, you know, it's all about the almighty dollar at the end of the day, right? I was giving them a lot of almighty dollars because I was doing well. The thing that really came to a head for me on a personal level and on a professional level was on a personal level, you know, my father abroad was not well, so I was going backwards and forwards. It was a terminal illness. And then on a professional level, the Navy Exchange did come to me and say, hey, Surinder, we'd like you to consider maybe going nationwide. Um, and the truth was at that time, I didn't know how. I, I didn't know who to go to. How do you do that? You mm -hmm. know, and so. That'd I be had, a daunting task. Yeah. So, Seriously. and then I've got kids, you know, um, dude still active. It was, um, I would have loved to have done it. Um, I just didn't know how. Mm -hmm. And then I ultimately ended up starting to close down. My father passed away and my father asked me a question uh, when I went to see him one day. And he said to me, you know, Sarin, he said, uh, you can take all the money that you're making right now and you can put it at the end of the bed. But the reality of the situation is I am going to die. So I want you to ask yourself, are you living to work or working to live? And to be honest with you, at that time, I did not even understand what he was saying because I was so emotionally involved in the situation. 
you know, when I came back and I did take stock of a couple of things, and um, I realized that I had got to a point in the my coffee career where um, I had really good time on base and things were good, um, but I was going to start. Um, my mind had kind of changed. I'd done it. I, you know, there wasn't anything else I could do, you know, um, and my dad was right. I mean, I have two kids. I was in a fortunate position to spend a little bit more time with them before it's too late. So I started closing down some locations, and it took me a year to close them all down. Um, it was um, very sad for me. Um, it was sad, but it was probably great right. I am mm-hmm. incredibly fortunate and blessed. And thank you to each and every one of you guys that came to whatever location you came to. I hope you got some shit. I hope you got your ass smacked. And if you didn't, well, you missed out, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was great. So it was a good time. They did ask me to open up again, you know. Um, but it's a different world now. It's a different it's a different, it's a different military. I don't think yeah. I could stop somebody's ass now. I'd really. say you might get uh, your, your, your hand slapped if you slap somebody else's ass. Yeah. Oh well, Sad. it was it was a good run while you had it. It was yeah. genuinely yeah. appreciated. Well, thank you. Yeah, loved it. And so now with the the podcast and the military spouse entrepreneurship stuff, tell me what you have going on there. The good podcast. Um, I'm talking to a lot of veterans and um, military spouses, predominantly military spouses. Giving them a platform to highlight their business. And my mindset behind it is I don't need you to be made have 50 employees. You know, as far as I'm concerned, whoever you are, if you are making a concerted effort to be self independent financially and get a business up and running, you may have only got 10 followers on Instagram. I don't give a shit. I want to help you, I want to talk about what you're doing, why you're doing it, what's your end goal, how you're going to get there. Because what I've realized is that for the small business, the small military spouse business, small veteran, marketing is key. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's those dollars that we don't have. So if I can get a, um, I interviewed a great author the other day, Patrick Holcomb. Now, if one person buys Patrick's book, because they heard it on my podcast, then fucking kudos. I've done my job. You know, I just want to help people grow. And what can I do to help you? Mm-hmm. You know, that that's what my platform's about. Everybody's got a story, just like you guys, you know. Um, and this is terrible. But I forgot his name again. You just interviewed him where you were talking about Euro trash. Sean, Sean Haggerty. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Sean. I I apologize for that too. That was that was that was unlike me to say something like that, and uh, I just want to publicly apologize. Yes, very unbecoming. You know, and I know. Watch episode one, listen to it, understand why you apologize. Then listen to. I guess this will be episode four. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And just keep cycling back and forth. You'll hear their apology in there. I don't give a shit. But listen, let me just ask you guys a question, right? Because I want to ask you guys something. Your platform for getting getting your podcast out, I am totally in awe of how you guys have navigated 
your podcast and getting it out. I read on LinkedIn the other day because I follow you guys. You got like three hundred followers, you know, in such a very short period of time. What are you guys doing? I mean, what is what? What are you doing that I'm not doing? This is what I love about entrepreneurship because it's like, mm-hmm. okay, I want to know, you know, because I'm older than dirt man. I've got a 14 year old social media manager, and you know, and I feel like a hypocrite because <laughs> I say to her, Jordan, put your phone down, but pick up mine. <laughs> Use my Instagram. I mean, it, it's really come down. And I'll let Greg answer from from his perspective, but it, it's really come down to. Um, you know, telling telling a good story, and unfortunately, because I know you hate social media, you hate like every other military person. You hate boasting about yourself. It doesn't even have to be boasting; just talking about what you've done, telling your story, so that other people can hear that they're not alone in, in their journey. Like with entrepreneurship, so many so many people are alone in that journey because they're like, "I'm just building this myself. Um, I don't want to ask for help because you know it's a zero sum game out there, and if I ask for help, then." I'm giving out competitive advantage and Greg and I have both completely thrown that into the wind. Like we put all of our information out there. Everything is essentially free. We're putting in posts of here's how we build our podcast. This is our tech stack. This is how we've been building the, the newsletter. This is how um, we're setting up the, the business of the entrepreneur community and why we want you to join us and how that money is being circulated around to pay for other things. We're not we're not trying to hide behind this this coy veil of oh join join this community it's altruistic you know it mm-hmm. it is still a business but the idea is that by participating in this business of ours you're learning about business yourself I mean how many how many guys are in our community Greg that are content creators writers doing podcasts doing other stuff like that that they're just like this is amazing information everything you guys have been putting out I'm now applying to to building my own platform. Yeah, there's been a ton, a ton. Um, and I, yeah, I think you're spot on there. And I, one, one thing is just like being, cons- you just got to be consistent on, and everybody says it, you got to be consistent on social media. And like, I think for, because would I love to not have to like write a LinkedIn post every single day and respond to a bunch of comments? Like, fuck yeah, I would love to not do that. Um, I enjoyed writing, uh, but it like, it is, it, be- it has become sort of a job. Um mm-hmm. But it's good. At the end of the day, what keeps me motivated is that like we are providing a like super cheap service for veterans, and my post is just a is gas or fuel for that. Um, and then for you, I think the same thing would be like, okay, why? Why? I know I need to do this, like, and I need to do this because like if I do this, then I, my platform grows and I can get more people to buy that book mm-hmm. of this guest who's been on the podcast. Um, so that's that's kind of what I try to keep in the back of my mind when posting on social media. We're going to be venturing into Instagram um, pretty soon. Greg's going to be venturing into Instagram. Yes, I have I an unhealthy relationship with that thing. I think I've deleted it off my phone at least a dozen times. It's it's a doom scroll, waste of time for me. And I so I'm happily handing that to to Greg. I'll, I'll give him content, but I will not. I'm not going to say never. Until I figure out a healthier relationship with Instagram and all the other meta platforms, I will probably not be uh, the one participating behind the, the keyboard. Let me ask you content. Because, uh, you know, somebody was asking me the other day, look, you know, I get up in the morning, I go work out, see my kids off at the door, see my husband, whatever shit. I come in my office, knock my shit out. I am, and sometimes, let's be honest, right? I, you know, you work out, you, you get home, I've got shit going on, and then I, I don't actually get 
to brush my teeth until maybe two in the afternoon. I mean, shit just rolls like that. Let's be honest, mm-hmm. right? That's real life. So I'm not one of those people that is doing anything fantastic every day when I'm going to sit here with my phone going, ooh, 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 you know? <laughs> you, you know, so I, what am I posting? You know, um, that is has always been my thing. What am I posting? Here's Serena. She hasn't brushed her teeth or scrubbed her ass, but she worked out this morning, you know? <laughs> Nobody wants to see take that. A, take a, a sweaty selfie. You know, but so what is, what do you, what do you guys do with content? How do you get it? What do you do? So I think one good idea for you with the podcast is like, you're going to have so much video content that you're just going to like, as you go through, if you can get, I mean, if you can have your 14 year old be a producer and just like try to find like, like you laugh, but I mean, you can also the- pay him too, which is another well, entrepreneurial listen. um tip i do pay her and let me tell you something she is very expensive just you wait <laughs> no but i mean like in terms of irs and, yeah. and payroll you can yeah. you can put her on there um especially if she's doing legitimate stuff like yeah. there's people that put some some wonky justification for paying their kids but like if, if your kids are, are managing your social media and helping you create content absolutely now, did, uh, is it did that the kid has to be 15, at least 15, I believe? I don't think so. Really? Uh, there's, yeah, different, like, there, there's different um, wage cutoffs, annual mm-hmm. wage amounts based off age, uh, but I don't think age is a factor in terms of if you can pay them. Okay. You can start a 401k for them. Yeah. I mean, that kind of stuff, yeah, but, you know, 14, you know, it's 14, but, yeah, she's expensive. Jordan, you're expensive, but girlfriend, you are worth it. Yeah, Greg, if you want to go back to uh, explain content creation. Yeah, so, I mean, even with Riverside, I'm not sure what platform you're using, but Riverside, when I'm done with this, I'll say generate shorts or generate reels. And it'll it'll take this podcast and it'll give me like 15 different segments. And not all of them are great, but you'll get about like three or four of them that like actually have some like legitimate snippets from the from the podcast. That you can then just use. I mean, that could be your weekly content right there. You could have four that you're going to post out. There's other. Uh, I have to think of the the name of the platform, but you just stick the video in there, and it's another AI tool that will check the virality of the um, of the pot or the of the podcast. I'll go through the entire podcast, put up clips. You can like break it down by 30 to 60 second clips, like 120 second clips. And it'll give you about like 20 different reels that you can also use. So you don't necessarily have to have even a producer do it. Um, but then you just, that's your content. Um, yeah. And then from there, like Instagram is more like LinkedIn, where you have to like be sort of deliberate about your audience and when you're going to put on there um, and actually having something to say, like putting something in the comments. And this is from what I've heard. I haven't really, I haven't grown on Instagram before, but then TikTok and YouTube, if you were ever going to go down that route, you can just like basically take those three reels and just like put them on there all at once and they'll just generate through the, the algorithm. See, somebody yeah, asked the, me about TikTok the other day and I won't go on TikTok. You know, uh, it, I don't, yeah, it's a mess. It, it, it's a lot. Um, but yeah, the the big thing with, with content creation is don't create a a one-to-one use ratio. So like for us, we have the, the podcast, which gives us a, an hour plus interview with, with somebody. We can then break that down into a, a thousand word article 
talking about him, him or her as a entrepreneur, which we then put on to our, our newsletter. Both of those can be broken down further. Um, you know, we have the, the, uh, the shorts, the reels that we'll use as content. Um, and then the snippets from both the, the article and the podcast we can use as content. So now one article or one, one interview that lasted an hour has a newsletter article, three, four, five posts that we can create. Um, and so it, it's about leveraging your time as, as effectively as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, because pe- you, you don't want to create something new and unique every single day because you, mm-hmm. you're all building off of the same theme, the same message. Like you have an amazing platform and an amazing message that you're going to be talking about, you know, military spouse, you've been in the community for 30 years. You, you know, it through and through you have, you've lived the deployments, you've lived the, uh, the workup cycles, you live the entrepreneurship side, you know, the relationships with the base, with the civilians, with normal corporations. Um, so you probably more so than most anybody else in the country would be the prime person to be speaking about military spouse entrepreneurship. Um, and so you just need to tell your story and that's what it comes down to. Like you're not, you're not sitting out there bragging about what you've done and how great you are. All you're doing is saying, I went through this experience. I know there's other women, uh, particularly women for, for spouses, but it, it can go both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other people out there that have lived the spouse life. They've, they've had to move every two, three years. They've had to deal with deployments where their, their spouse is gone probably more than half the time. So how do you create a, a viable business that allows you to still weather the moves, especially if you're having to move overseas? So having something like a podcast, digital content, um, digital marketing, like all these things that you can do remotely mm-hmm. are phenomenal jobs for or businesses for, for spouses yeah. to have. And so if you just talk about these things, like mm-hmm. here's your option and you can please use and abuse all of our content. You can pretty much make a couple of tweaks. I'm talking about the same stuff of mm-hmm. finding purpose, finding meaning, uh, enjoying what you do, being able to spend time with family, um, making a good income. All those things can be applied to, to mill spouse entrepreneurship. And so you can just put your own flair on it um, and, and use those as your posts to, to create a following. It is a grind because we do posts seven days a week. You can do it less, but yeah. that's where that's the metric where we're at. Um, and you just you slowly build that audience that interacts with with your content on a regular basis, um, and it and it begins to spiral at a certain point. You know, you know, just like Malcolm Gladwell, you hit that tipping point. Yeah. Now I recently I, again I I don't know who it is up there that you know shines on me sometimes, but very recently um, I had a I was introduced to a great uh, gal by the name of Ali Craig, and she's with a company called Victor and Valor. And Ali Craig and Victor and Valor came in, they took my website, they took everything, and they have just built me a beautiful website, surrendergoo.com, go to it, check it out, let me know what you think. Um, <laughs> um, but it's, that's G-O-O-D-E. That's right. Um, they have just done my branding right across the board, and it is beautiful. And they um, very, very kindly... Um, it's digital. I mean, and That's what amazing. this gal yeah. has done is just in, in, incredible, and it really um, makes um, really you know. Again, I'm so fortunate because you know she's come in and she's done this. I only have one goal as I move forward, 
with the group podcast and a couple of other activations. And my, the thing that's very near and dear to my heart, and if I get emotional when I say this, I'm, I don't give a shit. Um, I, I want to help combat the food insecurities, especially amongst our junior enlisted, because I have spoken to spouses out there that, um, that have created this event. And the event is called Dumpster Diving because our junior enlisted in California, in San Diego, with the price of everything, it, it, they're going without food now. I, it is wrong, plain, simple, wrong. And I, it definitely puts us, I mean, I can't imagine my guy or any of you going on a deployment knowing fine well that your family may not have enough food. I just yeah, that would to, not go well. I just spoke to a spouse in Korea who has a young child in the commissary, didn't have milk, eggs, and cheese. I mean, this is, as a, as a mother, as a military spouse, and just as a human, that shit does not sit well with me. So my goal moving forward is I just want to be able to put food on the table. Um, for our junior enlisted, regardless of branch, I don't give a shit about branch. Mm-hmm. Um, that is my that is my ultimate goal, and and I think somebody asked me this question the other day about, well, you know, you're a respectful spouse, and you know, and why, you know, you're going outside of the arena. Well, listen, respectful has been so good to me. I am so proud to be a respectful spouse. Right? It's been very good to me. We get a lot of stuff. We get a lot of good stuff, and I think we deserve a lot of good stuff, and sometimes we don't, okay? But we are in a position, I feel I am in a position where I can help. So why would you? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Every year on the base, I used to give the captain a um, gift card for the commissary, just, you know, give it to a family that needs it. Food is a basic human necessity. And again, I sleep at night and I say the smack that I say and the shit that I talk because there are people out there that allow me to do that. That is not lost upon me. I come from a um, bit of a shithole. So again, this is where I feel the way I feel about the country that I'm in and the, the communities that I've been privileged to serve. So if I can help, that's my goal. So moving forward, I, you know, listen to the Good Podcast, follow me, the Good Show, um, have no shame. Um, Please. <laughs> I want to build this platform so I can do some good, and I want to get some good stories out there. It's really very simple. What type of guests are you bringing on? Um, I am bringing on a military spouses that have started businesses. I've had some veterans reach out to me and say, I've got a small business, you know, and Three of us just starting up. Uh, the author that I spoke to, he's a retired Marine after 20 years, you know. The book is about baseball, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But um, it's a great story, a great moral in it. And you know something? The guy put some sweat, equity into this book to get it out there. And hey, man, I want you on my show and let people hear about you because that's the only way you get it going, you know. That's, yeah, we'll have to plug fantastic. the book here on here too as well. Yes, you guys. You send us the, the link. Yeah. We'll but I'm going to connect you guys to, you know. Um, but I have to say this about both of you. Kevin, 
we spoke about what you're doing like on a Monday. Then on a Tuesday, I went on LinkedIn and you had launched. And I thought to myself, <laughs> that was fast. How did you just, it was like overnight. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that I don't, I don't know if it's personality driven or if it's what the military did to me, you know, nature versus nurture. Um, but I've always been very comfortable with the 70%, sometimes even less plan to be like, all right, we got enough. We can move forward with this. Yeah. Um, one of my, my uh, first platoon LPOs would always say that'll buff out. You know, you'll, you'll figure it out along the way. Um, the, so many people try and have, have a, a perfect plan. They want to have, they need to have all the following and then all the graphics and then the, the intro music and everything that the formatting needs to be perfect because they're comparing themselves to, you know, Chris Williamson and Sean Ryan and Joe Rogan. They're like these guys have millions of followers. So I need to make my stuff exactly for podcast examples. Um, I need to make my stuff exactly like theirs because that's what success means. But what they need to be doing is going back to episode one, episode two, episode 10 and seeing where, where they actually started, what they, what they began with, what they worked up to, and then follow the progression along the way. No one's going to have, you know, Sean Ryan, dude's killing it right now. He's, he's on like episode 140, I think. So pretty, pretty early on relative to a lot of these others. I think, you know, Chris Williamson's at 300 something, 400 something. Joe Rogan's in the thousands. Um, Sean Ryan has 2.2 million subscribers on YouTube alone. I don't know what he has on you know, Spotify and Apple and Amazon. The guy, I think I looked at his, um, his most recent episode that was re released on February 5th and it already had 500,000 views on YouTube. Uh, and so the, the guy, former SEAL, um, CIA contractor, a whole bunch of other things. Uh, and he just, he's doing an amazing job of building a profile of somebody, knowing how to interview them, knowing the questions to ask and just creating a very seamless show. And in a very short amount of time has been able to, to grow it into uh, an amazing following. And so, uh, you know, a lot of people see these types of things like, I need to be at that point now where you just need to just start, just get reps in. Like, I, honestly, what we're going to have to have you on in like 50 episodes when, when we have a little bit of traction. Because <laughs> um, right now, like the, these episodes are probably going to be somewhat buried. You know, we're, we're stoked that we got 100, over 100 YouTube views on our, on our first episode. Oh my gosh. Um, and it's so, amazing. you know, we're, we're going to be more proud of that, but you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, a hundred views, if you're trying to actually monetize a podcast and, and turn it into something, it it's nothing, but it's an amazing start. And so we're going to have to build on those reps, you know, having these conversations, reviewing the episodes, looking like, all right, what was the lighting? Like, what did the, what did our audio sound like? What did the video sound like? How do we edit this better? How do we create a, a more seamless user-friendly experience? Um, how do we get rid of annoying verbal tics and and motions like i'll look back at the first one and you know, like i'm swinging back and forth in my chair i'm like that's really distracting but i didn't notice i was doing it but you're not going to see these yeah. things until you just do yeah. it uh, so to get to your question yeah i'm I'm very much of the person that's like let's just start doing this and we'll figure out the rest along the way it's how yeah. i started my linkedin um i was just posting 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 some of those early posts are very cringeworthy i'm like i thought this was good um <laughs> And you just get you just get better. You have to get your reps in. You can't expect to be good on on rep number one. Now let me. There's a couple of things I want to say here. First of all, what you just said about um, you knew that you seventy percent. Um, I got it seventy percent. I'm gonna go. You know, just go with it. Mm -hmm. 
one of the things after talking to the, the entrepreneurs that I've spoken to is it's a classic um, kind of like a sign of an entrepreneur. You know, like I knew the coffee carts, I knew the start, I knew what my end was going to be. See the middle? I didn't know what that was going to be, but I wasn't scared because I thought, yeah, I know my beginning, I know my end. They're just going to fucking rock and roll it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, and a lot of people that I've spoken to have had that same kind of mindset. Like, yeah, I knew I wanted to, to you know, make bourbon, um, so I made it. You know, kind of like, I didn't know how I was going to make it, but I got there. I think that's, um, I'm beginning to notice that as I talk to talk to people, you know, that uh, that's how it is. And the other thing is, like, the kids, because uh, my mom and dad always used to say to me, you know, or say about me, you know, Serena doesn't know what she wants to do. You know, I should have been a doctor or a lawyer. I mean, how, how disappointing is that, you know? Um, but, um, you know, because I never knew what I wanted to do. And I said to my son the other day, I said, Steve, I'm 54, dude. I don't know what I want to do, but I do know this. Nobody's ever going to tell me that I've reached my cap and I'm not worth anyone. I'm not going to have that happen. And nobody's ever going to tell me again that, now, Sarinda, you can't take a day off work. That's never going to happen to me again. Those two things no. are not going to happen. I mean, and that right there is exactly what you what you create content about. Like that, no one's going to tell you what you need to do. You're never going to have to ask for permission to take a day off work. You're never going to leave your kids at school because you couldn't get off work, or um, you know, tell your kids they can't go to the doctor because your your boss won't let you go. Yeah. Those are all the the things that that you write about because that's that's what people are living every day. You know, outside the military, obviously, military people. You, sorry, you're going to have to ask for permission to to take your kids to to work uh, to the doctor and stuff like that sometimes. But for the most part, the military is pretty good about understanding about those things um but the the day-to-day people especially after you've left the military and you know people willingly give up a lot of the stuff that the average person takes for granted join the military you know you're gonna be moving um your your pay is not gonna be as good there's gonna be inherent risk and there's gonna be constant influx and change going on in your life but you're you're okay with it because you know that there's a larger purpose Mm -hmm. what what a lot of people um, see, especially after they leave the military, is what they thought was a very green field. There, there's mud underneath that grass too. You know, you're you're going to get you're going to dirty. And sometimes, it's, yeah, the pay is good, but all the other things were much better in the military. And there's there's a bit of um, uh, transition shock that, that goes into yeah. it. So the more stuff like that that you can talk about, and you talk with enough spouses that you you've hear you've heard the stories, whether they're veteran spouses or current uh, active duty spouses. You know, you know their their pain points, their gripes, and you just create content around that. Let me ask you something, Greg. You are outside of the U.S. How how is that for your family? Like the adjustment? We're getting there. I, you know, the kids. Are, I got a four and a two year old, so I mean, they're just along for the ride, um, yeah. and they don't really. I mean, they don't really. They're going, like my four year old's going to a Doty school, so he's at an international school over here with a bunch of U.S. kids. So you know, through his his day to day is very similar to what it looked like before. And then my two year old is just hanging out with with daddy daycare and uh, going to the school hard knocks is what I tell him every day. Um, and so I mean they they don't notice. I think it's more my my wife and I we're trying to just navigate. We've only been here for for three weeks now. So we're still trying to like get our feet underneath us, try to, we're trying to buy a house over here. So 
we're trying we're and we're actually we live in Germany right now. Our temporary housing is in Germany, so we can't get a residence permit until we have a um a house inside of the Netherlands. So we have to do a short term rental. So we're gonna move from this place to another short term rental and then hopefully into a home. So that'll be like four moves in the in the span of like four months because we had to move out of our house that we sold in Colorado as well. So we're That's we're getting odd. there to yeah. <laughs> it's been a lot. The kids have been the kids have been awesome. Um, for a four and a two year old, they they've just like taken it in stride. So, um, de- very grateful for that for sure. Wow, that, I I just can't imagine moving um, with children. I mean, when I set up my business, one of the things I had to take into consideration was I sat down with Good and I you know we spoke about it and I said, hey, listen, I'm going to have a structure. So you know I'm going to go to work to it. I can't wrap that sucker up. And just move it across. So, you, you know, if you know, if you have to go somewhere, then I'll see you when you get back. I mean, <laughs> don't know what to say, you know. Uh, but it was a very difficult decision to make as well. And so, as we were talking earlier, Kevin, when we talk about entrepreneurship and for military spouses, and even not just for military spouses, I think just the way people operate today, a lot of things can be done remotely technology mm-hmm. you know you don't have to be in the office so much and do you guys agree with all of that are you like working remotely i mean how do you guys feel about that so first of all i want to say that i think a really cool episode if your husband would be open to hopping on your podcast would just be like you guys periodically talking about how you guys have worked together as an entrepreneur and like him being on the teams because I think that would be, I think a lot of people would benefit, a lot of mil- military spouses would benefit from hearing about that dynamic and maybe some lessons learned from you guys, the challenges that you face. I think that'd be an awesome topic. Um, and then in terms of like working remotely, yeah, this is because I'm an entrepreneur and able to work remotely. That's like the only reason we were able to make this move. Um, and so for us, I mean, I think Kevin and I eventually would like to take this podcast in person. So, but we could still navigate that without having me like be in the States. Like we'll just set up some sort of a recording studio and do it quarterly where we bring people in. That's kind of our goal right now. Our next step is, is to potentially do something like that. Um, but I think there is, I mean, I, I'm also of the, of the thought that like, like I would love to see Kevin more often and like be in person with him and, and be able to like, do like just a quick jam session every quarter. And so hopefully that that'll be like part of that is like being able to strategize together because nothing beats in-person discussions. Like, yeah. And and like being able to, to converse with someone live and in person. Can't replace it. I'm only laughing because I've only tried to record my podcast with Kevin. I don't know what, maybe three or four times. And every time something fucked up, Every time, and all I we've actually done one, but for some reason it, it, the recording didn't save. It's like we we met in person at the Honor Foundation, had a, a nice room set up, did the whole conversation. Like that was awesome. That was, that was a good conversation. Uh, the next day, she's like, I don't know what happened, but nothing recorded. It was just a fun conversation we had in a room by ourselves. Uh, yeah. And then we tried doing another one, and I don't remember what was going on, but. Uh, you you weren't able to to make it, and so we had to cancel that one. And then we were like, all right, we'll reschedule. And then the emails fell off. So at some point, we'll we'll do yeah, another one we do. for the the good show. And you know, the worst thing was, you know, 
And my husband looked at me now, and Greggy, he's always has a big old one with dipping, you know, and he looked at me and he's like, <laughs> Operator error. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, That sounds like something I would say. <laughs> you know? Um, let me ask you guys this. Well, um, you put your podcast out on, you're just on LinkedIn right now, but you've always done video, right? See, I've never done video before. None of my podcasts are in video, um, so it's kind of like new to me. I mean, this morning I got up after my workout, did my face because I thought we'd all be on screen, you know. <laughs> and it's crazy to say, but it's, it's those kind of things that really put me off. And you know, it's like now I've got to slap some shit off, and that's very. It just takes time, you know. It just takes time. It, it does. I, I commend you. Like I, I laugh with my, my wife all the time. She has to spend so much, uh, so much effort and time getting ready. I'm like, put on a t-shirt from yesterday, the same pair of pants I've been wearing all week. I've got flip-flops and get some water in my hair. Like, you ready to go? She's like, no, I'm still getting ready. So I'll just go hang out with Bodie in the living room while, while she gets ready. So see but it, how, how you look. I mean, it's terrible. This is the society and the kind of like, marketing that we have to do you have to look good and i'm like my daughter said to me hey mom should we, should we try some fillers and i went fillers girlfriend i don't think i'm at that point and she went no i meant filters on the phone oh filters <laughs> I'm like, I'm yeah, i mean it is cheaper and easier <laughs> but it, it's it's um it's difficult i find it find it really hard i you know i sometimes think people aren't interested what you're saying in audio are they going to want to look at you you know mm -hmm. so um i don't know it, it's a i've got to get over a couple of humps you know um, with my mindset um and with the grasp of technology these days i mean everything you guys have just told me i've gone more, 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 more. you know um, no, that's one of those things that we're gonna to have to put out probably in a in an upcoming post is yeah. just our um our podcast tech stack, you know, the, these are the types of questions that people have, you know, if, if, if they don't know somebody that's doing it, they don't know where to start. And then Greg's been an absolute guru with this. Uh, you know, I, I've handed off a lot of the responsibilities on, on the podcast to him. Cause he's like, I've, I've got enough knowledge to, to be dangerous. And so he's been figuring so a lot of it out. Yeah. Uh, but you know, the, the putting things up on, on YouTube was a, was a conscious decision not because we think it's going to get significant views. YouTube's usually one of the lower um, platforms for people to, to get viewers on um, on a podcast. It's typically audio. You know, people are driving, commuting in their car. They're just going to pop it on Spotify or Apple. Uh, Apple being the number one, Spotify number two. Amazon is kind of in there, but they haven't done a ton of effort to attract uh, creators on there. Uh, but YouTube was what we were talking about earlier. It's for doubling down on content or tripling down on, on content you know if we if we film it then we have the video even if we don't use it for much we at least have it and we're getting used to creating these things because most people might not watch the entire you know hour two hour long interview on youtube they will definitely listen to and watch a minute or two long short and so we're able to pull these video contents out, put those on YouTube, put those or um, put those on LinkedIn, put those on Instagram. Um, and now we have 
magnet or lead magnets to to draw people over to the podcast you know the post i like that you put on linkedin the other day was when you had the little one sleeping <laughs> I, I just thought you know something there's, there's a you know sometimes there's a debate about linkedin should it just be professional should you know people start to post things that are not professional but i think it really humanizes you know Mm-hmm. Kevin kind of thing so I you know I don't think there's anything wrong with it of course if you're going to start tweaking and put on some crazy shit then maybe not on LinkedIn that was such a nice picture I think the term you're looking for is twerking and I'm quite good at it and did I say t- <laughs> <laughs> listen uh, okay since- I, think, I think tweaking is what you do when you, you have a little bit too much meth <laughs> listen you know something I interviewed a gal once gorgeous gal right comes down stunner so next part of the process of the interview is the rest of the baristas would interview, you know, and then they'd give me their feedback. So girl comes back, the girl's interviewer, girl leaves, and I look at the girls and I'm like, she's gorgeous, isn't she? And they look at me and they're like, she's a fucking tweaker. And I went, <laughs> and I went, a what? What's a tweaker? And they're like, she, she works in Vegas. I mean, Anybody that works in Vegas at a casino, we don't, we know, because they're tweaking, you know, you're up all loud, you don't know what time it is, but that's an every, uh, obvious tweaker. And I just thought to myself, so much to learn. Yeah, but I'm like, hey, <laughs> if you girls tell me that she's a tweaker, you shouldn't hire, then I'm going to, I'm going to back you guys. Because there was one of my only rule with my baristas was, hey, listen, bring anybody, like-minded people, attract like-minded people. You know, the good work ethic kind of thing. I said, the only time you ladies have to worry is when I go around and I do my uh, cleaning checks because I was anal when it came to the cleaning of the location. And if I find that one location is in a state of disrepair, then all of you are coming in on Saturday morning and you're cleaning that location. All of you. Sounds just like the military. <laughs> yeah, that sounds exactly like the military. Mass punishment. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> The, my awesome. favorite expression uh, about this stuff is is one person shits their pants, everyone wears a diaper. Ah. That's yeah. that's the military to a T. <laughs> you, you know, somebody asked me as well, they said, were you in the military? And I went, no. But I think because, um, you know, I was born in an immigrant family, lots of brothers. And I mean, there's a lot of brothers. Um, and I was the younger female. Um, my mom had to, and my dad had to, with all of us, we were a tribe. You know, they had to like, hey, where's number 45? Get him in line. You know, just no. <laughs> it had to be like that. So I grew up just like, hey, knocking the shit out. Let's up, let's up. You know. Mm-hmm. Not very sexy sometimes, you know. But um, Entrepreneurship isn't very often. And then because you put that comment on LinkedIn about my cussing, right? Somebody said to me the other day, they went, because uh, they've never heard me. So they went, you cast off to you. And I went, depending upon the situation, I said, but in my defense, as I was growing up, my mother could not pronounce her X. And as we were walking down the street, and it was kind of racially filled, tension filled area, we were walking down the street, and some, you know, not so nice people turned around and said to me and my mom, you know, said something. And my mom, in her sassiness, because I get it from her, obviously, she didn't give a shit. Um, and assassin has turned around and said, oh, you fuck up. And at that point, I think to myself, all right, we're going to cuss them up. We're going to do it properly. 
I think I was the only Indian kid that went home after school, sat my mom down, and I'd say, okay, it's fuck off. It's fuck, not fuck. <laughs> you know, and then I grew up uh... with boys. You know, at any time I had five guys around me, you know, so it's a good thing, it's a bad thing, but I said to the person that they said to me, what's your It favorite? keeps you real. It does. I think so. They said, what's your favorite cuss word? And I went, fuck. I said, it's incredibly effective. You can make it be whatever you want it to be. Plus, it's very good. So, you know, <laughs> it's a winner. If you're going to go, you might as well go big with it. Yeah. yeah so. It's a very versatile swear word. It, it is. really is. And you know something, people say it, it. It is what it is. The world is real. I like to keep it real. Sometimes people don't like what that realness is. Like I had to say to somebody once at work on base, I had to look at them and they were saying something that was, yeah, a little bit off, you know. And I turned around and went, listen, you an old fucking coffee lady. So let me ask you a question, you know, as you talk about this height and weight in proportion, when was the last time you saw your dick? <laughs> and he went, dude, that's so jacked up. I went, yeah, because you should be able to see all times. I said, so come on now. Maybe somebody has a point. Maybe you need to use a couple of LBs. So sometimes people don't like to hear the real shit. Then I gave him hey, his yeah, coffee yeah. and I smiled. I even put whipped cream on it. Oh, look at you. <laughs> Service with a smile. So. And an insult, I guess. <laughs> Actually, that would have been a great slogan for you guys. Service with an insult. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. What's that one restaurant? It's down in oh, downtown um, San Diego where they Dick's like, Last Resort. Yeah, yeah. They just shit on you all meal. Yeah. I love that place. Yeah. <laughs> First time I went in there, I was on vacation. I went in, the gal was really rude to me, and I thought, well, fuck you too, lady. You know? And then, <laughs> and then I realized, okay, that's, that's it. That's just, that entire business model. Basically, they took your business model and turned it yeah, into a high-end like, restaurant. That would have that been a great place to hire from. Now, I will say this. Starbucks on Orange Avenue, I'm going to say this. Starbucks and Orange Avenue is to open up at 6 o'clock. So Orange Avenue is the main dragon in Coronado for anyone not familiar. Yes. They used to open up at 6 in the morning. And I, because I'm anal, I don't, official open time is 5, but I'd be there at 4, you know, because just anal. Um, and so if anybody came by to get a coffee and it wasn't 5 o'clock, I'd be like, yeah, man, let me brew it, whatever. Yeah, we never said that. Um, then I noticed that Starbucks started opening at 5.30. Then I drove by one day and he was open at five and I walked in there and I went, hey, I said, uh, what time do you guys open? And he went, are we open at five o'clock? I went, well, you guys opened at six? And they went, no, we've got to start opening at five. I went, all right. A couple of weeks later, I went in there, beautiful hot chick behind the counter. And I thought, okay, I see what's going on here. I got the best baristas. Starbucks, you're not getting them. I got them already. You know, so it was kind of <laughs> flattering that, um, that Orange Avenue car, you know, Starbucks wanted to open up earlier because, you know, little wacko jacko was on base at five in the morning. <laughs> and there you go. You, you just influenced a multi-billion dollar company. I don't know if they're still open at five, though, you know. But, uh, Probably not. They're like, thank God surrender's gone. We can go back to six o'clock starts. <laughs> <laughs> She's taking too much business from us. That's great. It's great. Uh, now, let me ask you, Kevin. 
you've got a little one, hasn't it just changed? Doesn't it just change your everything? It changes my sleep habits. <laughs> yes, that's for sure. No, no he, he's, he's been an absolute treat. Uh, he just hit five weeks old yesterday. Uh, and he's had a couple fussy days, but you know, in the grand scheme of things, I think we've had two full days where he's been fussy. So two out of, what is that, 49 days or 35 days. Um, I can do math. <laughs> I don't do math in public, I'm, I'm, Kevin, so. I don't have my fingers on the screen. Uh, I mean, my crayons. But no, he, he's been, <laughs> he's been an absolute treasure to, to be around. Like everyone we, we see, it's like he's such a mellow baby. We had, we had to take him to the NICU about a weekend. He was getting a bit jaundicey. And so the pediatrician is like, hey, his, his Billy Rubin count, which is the metric that they they base John DeSauce off of, was was getting to be a uh, a concern. And so they're like, we're going to put him in the NICU at least 24 hours to get his, his blue light therapy, the kind of like phototherapy or something. Basically, if, if you're a jaundicey baby, you need to get sunlight to help bring it down, get him eating to pass all the stuff out. And so, you know, the, the NICU where they're seeing hundreds if not thousands of babies every year they were like this baby is so mellow he's eight days old um we call that his spa day because they put him in the, the incubator which is heated up to you know 85 degrees or whatever it's it's a great little humid uh box for him to hang out with and, and Bodie loves loves the heat we have a little space heater we, we turn on to him when we're changing his diaper and he immediately it's like arms behind his head legs spread open just like blowing hot air over my balls um he's so happy with it and so we have this picture of him in the in the incubator he has this blue blue light going on um on the top which called his his, his uh tanning bed inside of a sauna with it, an eye mask on just arms behind his head legs spread open completely passed out and the, the nurses are like he's so mellow we don't we don't really understand it uh, most of the time because they, they can't be wrapped up. They can't be swaddled because they need to have their skin exposed to the light. They don't have human touch and they're inside of a box away from people. They're like, normally they're, they're very fussy in there. And Bodhi was like, no, this is good. I'm, I'm happy being here. We give him a bottle every once in a while so that he can, uh, he can be good. But yeah, it's, it's been definitely a, a learning experience figuring out when, when, or why he's crying. You know, what is it this time? Is it the diaper? Is it, is it he's tired? Is it he's hungry? Is it he just feels like crying because his stomach hurts? Whatever it is. Um, but it's been so nice that I'm not counting days of, you know, I have to go back to work on this date. So when you get everything in line, ready to go, so that you can take care of him without me. Um, I'm, I'm here at home. If Kristen needs to go run out someplace, I'll just be holding him, getting some work done. Um, it's, it's been a, a, a great experience to have him because I know what it would have been like in the military. You know, Greg, did you deploy while you had children? I had my, my last kid, or my first kid while I was in uh, Afghanistan. So I came back, flew back for a week, saw the birth, um, and then was had to go back in the country. So that was that was kind of like the writing on the wall for me that it was, and my wife works full, she's an attorney, she works full time. So it was like, okay. And we wanted to have more kids. There's one of them crying right yeah. now in here. Um, and... Uh, so I was like, yeah, this is that was about the time where I decided like a year out. I was like, I'm I'm gonna get out. See, it's gotta be difficult because I, I think about my own husband and you know, I always say to spouses as well, 
it, it's got to be harder for the service member to leave because they're detaching, you know. Um, we are left with our home comforts, you know, and sometimes just having your home comforts is just, just means a lot, you know. Um, we sometimes I think we, we, we go down a little bit of a, oh, well, it was me, Pat, but let's be honest, you know, there's a plus sign to the service member bonus way as well, do you know what I mean, in, in the relationship kind of thing. But I've always said that it's got to be hard for the service member to leave because you're leaving everything behind, you know what I mean? I remember I left for, it was a couple of months to go see my father, you know, and just that time away from my kids, my, my heart would physically ache, you know, as a mom, so I can't imagine how good did it? I mean, actually, when I had Jake at first, uh, Goo was on deployment. Uh, he did not come back. He's act he actually got a state of the year complete, which I had no idea because I'm like, I'm having a kid, and you're going to be doing some crazy shit, and now you're in Hawaii. I mean, you know, um, so <laughs> I had no idea. Seems fair. <laughs> yeah, you know, I had no idea what that that meant. Um, but he wasn't here for the for Jake's birth. Um, but he was here for Jordan's. And again, having children and then leaving to go on a deployment, I cannot imagine what must go through your heads as you depart, you know what I mean? Um, I like to think with my husband, and you, you know, Greg, my husband is so stoic that, you know, you never know what the guy's, you never know what the guy's thinking. Sometimes I don't know if he likes me. I mean, <laughs> you know, but I guess I always just think that you put yourself into that mindset, or I think good does that. Okay, um, separate. You know, this is what we're doing now. Moving forward, that is all back there. You know, um, but it's going to be hard. Yeah that that you was know? a that was a tough that was a tough transition for me to go. I just like because you do you do, you got to. There's nothing you can do. Yeah. I mean, that's why you just turn it off, and. You go do what you got to do and get back. And that's like, that's, I'm pretty good at, at about doing that, about just like compartmentalizing mm -hmm. like that. And I, I'm a big fan of neutral thinking. Like, you know, this is the situation that we have at hand. Like it's not good or bad. It just is. And you go about it and you, you do your business and then you figure it out. <laughs> so. Yeah. So then I wish, I mean, as, as I think I, again, I think I'm incredibly fortunate person you know um and i've always said to people that the fact that i grew up with uh, a lot of brothers um i've always been in a predominantly male environment um i feel really lucky that i can understand the male mindset to some degree because a lot of shit does not shock me um but i'm a woman so i feel like i have the kind of like the best of both you know um but it's also not a good thing because you know again sometimes i'll be talking to goo and goo will look at me and be like you know it's like it's like talking to one of the guys and i'm like yeah y'all do da, 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 da. you know and he's like oh, it's like talking to one of the guys. and i'm like yeah it's, it's but i think having that kind of mindset is a relationship because i i get it i get what you do i, I know what you're doing I, I know what i'm married into i know you're gonna go away i know i've got to get my shit squared away and back in back in my day, listen to me. Back in my day, 
<laughs> you know, uh, you, you know, you, you you got your package. You know, you send the pay, you wrote the letter, and I'll say this: writing that letter, putting those things. The I always have two logs of Copenhagen in separate boxes in case one went astray. You know, um, it was much better than it was today. Much, much better because I think today with technology, with social media, your argument. You take that argument on deployment. That argument mm -hmm. never gets resolved. It gets worse on deployment, and then you bring that argument back home. You know, and I just think I do not agree with that at all. I would love for well, if I had the way, press the red button, all internet we're done. You know, um, but the thing about those days, and I'll try and explain these to spouses, you had some when you got that letter back from your service member, first of all, you waited for it, you know, and there's some element of excitement for waiting for it. And then you got it and it's tangible in your hand and you can reread it and it's a beautiful thing, you know. Mm -hmm. Today, I don't understand how. Well, it was also the fact that it was, you know, it, that thing was there with them. They they touched it. They wrote on it. Mm -hmm. It was physically there. Now it's physically, physically there with you. Mm -hmm. In an email, it, it's very impersonal yes um, and you, you have the same content there but it, it doesn't have that that same connection no even phone calls i mean you know you got a phone call when you got a phone call i mean my mm -hmm. guy had made it very clear to me from day one you know kind of like sat me down and said hey this is what i do this is my application you know uh, this is the deal i'm letting you know the deal before you say i do and um and i appreciated that because yeah, well, yeah, I'm, I'm part of it now, so let me know what it is, kind of thing, you know. Um, and I find some of those conversations don't happen. Even financial conversations don't happen, you know. Um, not just within the military, I'm saying, you know. Because um, I sat on a seminar at uh, Liberty Military Housing. And I was asked a financial question, you know, by a couple. You know, how to make good financial choices. And I said, well, listen, do you know what the other earns? And they just looked at me and I'm like, well, every decision you make moving forward financially is going to be bad because you don't know what the other one earns. You've got to know what you bring into your house in order to make these kind of decisions. And I'm finding that as I'm doing my podcast, these, this kind of, I think it's like basic information, maybe it's not getting out there, you know. Or just basic communication yeah. skills. Yeah. You know, but I loved it back in the day. I go back there any day of the week. Um, I, I feel I had Britain at the best possible time that Britain was Britain. And then I feel I came to the States again, very fortunate, came stateside, and I had best of America. You know, so um, now I kind of like... It's all downhill from here now. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Find another country. Where are we going next? Oh, don't say that, Kevin. Uh, don't say that. I've got stakes oh, here, man. No, I'm well, you got the podcast. You can do, you can do that from wherever, so you don't need to be physically on base anymore. You can you can set up shop in in Costa Rica or I don't know what's what's a fun country for you next. You know, I don't know. I've been so spoiled that I've gone to so many great great places that um, spoils you. I think, it you does. know what I do want to do, though? 
uh, what is on my bucket list. I have been fortunate to travel the world. I have not seen the full United States. You know, um, I would love to get into an RV, go state to state. What is it known for? You know, what's going on here? You know what I mean? Um, That'd be great for the podcast. Yeah. Let's go around, set up a, a little room yeah. in the in the RV. Yeah. Actually go visit the bases and, and talk yeah. to the, the military spouses yeah. and just do it right yeah. there. Hey. Oh, we should get the cool RV paid idea. for. Huh? We, we, Greg, Greg can get a uh, a Euro van and, and do it around Europe. Yeah. You can join, visit, visit all the military bases out there. That would be pretty cool, actually. That's a great that, idea. That would that honestly would be a pretty cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I want to go state to state. I want to see the United States. Um, you know, that, that's on my bucket list. I have no real desire to go anymore. You know? um, I've, you know, seen some great countries. I've seen some shitholes. I think you need to see both. I said to somebody recently, I said, you know something? I like you so much that I'm going to buy you a first class ticket to a shithole. That way, you will realize how much you have. You know, how much you take for granted, you know, um, you know, it's, 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 um, yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's not going to go all downhill for Kevin. I've got to believe that yeah. I have to believe I'm a believer. I just like giving people the, uh, the, the hard time about, you know, all, all the good times are gone. Just everything is, everything in front of us is going to be, uh. Dreary and miserable. I'm I'm a very optimistic person. If you couldn't tell by all my posts, everyone's like, "You have a very positive spin to, to all your stuff." I'm like, I don't know. I dealt with enough negativity. I don't need yeah. to be trash talking everybody else out there. Yeah. It's much more enjoyable to build the community and, and have everyone interacting happily. Yeah, I don't. Uh, you know, and going back to what you said earlier about you know business ideas and everybody keeping the close to that thing, and you guys share everything. I de- I. I know that there's a couple of military spouses out there that have podcasts as well, you know, and I think sometimes like human nature, you, you like you're such a competition, you know, and then, then I think, well, that's, you know, there, there's enough space out there for everybody. And I think together, um, it's always better together, you know, things oh, all, for sure. You know? And even if you are um, in direct competition with, with somebody in, in a podcast, God forbid you have the exact model. Mm-hmm. If, if you are a driven, dependable, uh, consistent person, we just put a post about the, the numbers. Like, If you have, I think it was 32 downloads, you're in the top 50% uh, of all podcasts. There's, there's like 4 million different podcasts with 150 million episodes out there. And all you need to do is get 32 downloads on an episode and you're in the top 50%. And if you make it past episode 10, you're already in the in like the top twenty percent of podcasts. It was, it was only seven hundred and forty thousand podcasts out of the the four million have made it past ten episodes. Now you know it, that blows my mind, and that's uh, I read an article. Well, it does, except that it, it it gets to the point that that you were talking about earlier of the work ethic of this generation, where everyone's like, I want to be Joe Rogan, I want to be Chris Williamson, I want to be Sean Ryan, uh, and then by episode three, I haven't reach stardom i haven't been an overnight success i'm not doing it anymore that's exactly the article that i read and they said that podcasts are starting six months later their level of expectation is so unrealistic you know and when i started off this thing um i had said to myself that i'm just going to keep going uh, and that's it um i'm not 
trying to be anybody other than who I am. And, you mm-hmm. know, I have not looked at my downloads um, since I started in April. And why haven't I looked at them? Because um, I'm living really too. I don't want to see the numbers right now, right? I know they're not going to be great, and I'm okay with them not being great, but I just don't want to see them. I just want to go, I want to go for the full year, which will be April, will end, and then I'm going to have a look at them, you know, break them down and say, okay, because you have got, naturally you get better. Like you said earlier, when you look at episode one, you're on episode four, five. You know, I look at, I'm on mm-hmm. episode 24, I think I just released. And I look back at like some of my episodes and I think, oh, yeah. And that, and that's why I, I think it's important to, to go back, like maybe not watch the whole thing, but definitely listen to some of it so you can hear those little ticks that you do. Do you say um a lot? Do you say like? Do you have other uh, tick words that you use? Do you, if, if you're doing video, do you move around a lot? Does your background look like crap? Um, does the, the format, like Greg, Greg made an amazing format for the shorts where it puts it into a tile view and uh, it puts our logo on the bottom. We haven't been able to figure out how to do that for, for the long version yet. Mm-hmm. But like, oh, cool. We, we know that this is possible for this type of thing. How can we now make this happen for the longer one? And just constantly trying to make improvements. You don't have to go from, you know, shit to a piece of gold in, in two episodes. If you're just making those small incremental improvements, you're like, all right, I saw this one on the last one. Let's change that. Um, and then on the summary, let's next one, let's, let's do this style and see if, if it looks better. Uh, and I've, I've been, if you look at back <clears throat> the last few episodes, you'll, you'll see that I've tried different camera angles. You know, I've got the, the front on, I've tried the little bit off the side and it, you start seeing yourself like, oh, well, when it's off to the side, it looks like I'm constantly looking down because I'm looking at my screen, but the camera's up higher, so mm-hmm. it looks like you're looking at the top of my eyelids. Um, you just you just notice little things yeah. like that, and you, you make incremental improvements over time that by the time you hit episode 100, you, you've made significant changes when you look back at episode one. Uh, so you, you do have to look, but don't obsess about it. Yeah. That, take, yeah. Take, take a look at the end of the week cool you have this many downloads that's our that's our metric for that one don't be looking every day don't yeah. be looking every hour you're just you'll drive yourself crazy that's why i just thought you know i'll look at them after a year and then i'll you know see what happens from there and the instagram numbers i think jordan probably takes more notice of them than i do you know i mean i remember when i hit 100 i, I felt like i wanted to pop champagne corks and whoa 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 <laughs> you know and um i don't I don't want. I, I don't look at the numbers because I don't want to obsess over them. They go up, they go down, you know. And all I know is this. And I gave a talk the other day to military spouses. All I know is this. You know, I started with zero. That's what I know. I'm now at four hundred and twenty-six, right? And I'm very proud of that. So it's it's growth. As long as I can see mm-hmm. growth, that's all that matters to me. And the other thing is. I always say to people, you know, especially like with, in all my professional career, in all the jobs that I've honestly had, um, I think there's been maybe two, possibly two, maybe three, that I really did not like. But every job or profession that I've fallen into, I have thoroughly enjoyed. I've never, ever seen it like work, you know? Um, 
So I, I, I tell people all the time, you've got to find something that you like, you know, uh, write down on a piece of paper, are you a morning person, an afternoon person, you know, uh, do you like people, you know, do you want to work alone? Write these things down and then you can figure out which way you should go because there is no point in you wanting to do a podcast if, um, you know, I'm talking to people, you know, or mm -hmm. the camera scares you, you know, shit like that. So I think sometimes people get, you know, this this idea up here and they, they don't realize that there's a shit ton of work that goes into it, that, you know, to execute. It's, yeah, it's the execution. It's that foundational level. Yeah. Yeah, it's that foundational level work that, that you build on yeah. to, to ultimately be successful. Yeah. So many people said to me, yeah, once I opened the coffee cart, they said to me, this is my idea. I was like, well, I stole it. <laughs> Uh, that makes me think of um, Kevin. Your pre just like ik the Icky guy. Have you heard of that surrender? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you you think what what how does it how does it break down, Kevin? You have it in your so pre launch checklist. Icky guy is a is a Japanese term. It's literally translates to your reason for being. Um, and they've done some pretty cool like Venn diagrams and stuff that that breaks down the different aspects of it. And so there, there's four main components. Um, to make sure I remember this off the top of my head, but there's, uh, you know, enjoying what you do, being good at what you do, uh, society finding value in what you do, and uh, whatever it is you're doing, helping improve the place. So, like, to, for example, I, I always tell people to start with with the first two of what you're good at and what you enjoy, because if you're good at it and you enjoy it, you have longevity. Um, and so, you know, if, if you're, if you're getting to something, some people are really good at something they hate, don't do that unless you can teach yourself to enjoy it. So let's say podcasting, for example, you know, it, do you enjoy talking with people and are you good at talking with people? Some people like it and you're like, dude, you can't hold the conversation to save your life. Um, but being able to, to like it and be good at it means that you can, you can have that longevity that most people don't have in, in a career. So you'll be able to keep pushing through the hard times because there, there ultimately will be, will be hard times in, um, in, in any career. And then if they're make, make sure that there's, there's, um, value in, in what you're doing, you know, will society pay for it? And I always tell people, you know, don't, don't be too critical in this space because there's psychics and there's professional dog walkers. People pay for a lot of weird shit. Um, so invariably, especially with the internet nowadays, you'll be able to find your tribe who, who sees value in what you do. Um, so if you enjoy it and you're good at it, you can probably find people who are willing to pay for it. And then the last one isn't as important um, for it to be a business, but it is important for the longevity of it. Is, is what you're doing contributing to a greater good, to improving society? You know, I, I always use Candy Crush as an example. Candy Crush, if you're a programmer, you enjoy programming, you're good at programming. People obviously pay for something like Candy Crush. But are, is what you're doing ultimately making society better? Are you going to be happy with it? Or are you going to be like, I'm just making a lot of money, wasting people's time? Um, so having something that's actually improving the lives of everyone around you. And that's how we look at, at this podcast. You know, it's, it's our way of having fun conversations, being able to spend time with our kids. We hopefully will be able to monetize it. Obviously podcasts can be monetized. So there is value in that. Um, and then the, the ultimate good is we want to help veterans across a, a wide variety of, 
of verticals, you know, mental health, entrepreneurship, mindset, uh, transition out of the military. And ultimately, it doesn't have to just be veterans. You know, a lot of people are, are in those same spaces. You know, transition out of the military could be transitioning careers, transitioning points of your life, going from being single to being married, being from married to having kids, leaving one job, uh, going to another. Life's full of transitions. Uh, mental health across the board. I know Greg is a huge proponent of men's mental health. It's just something that's not actively talked about, accepted. Um, and so there's there's a huge area for for us to get rid of some of the um, preconceived notions about it. Mindset, you know, he's a, he's been a Green Beret. I've been a SEAL talking about how we use those those backgrounds to be successful in entrepreneurship. Um, and so there's there's a whole uh, variety of people that we think could benefit from our show. Let me ask you both a question in, in regards to your professions, um, the, the mindset of the profession. Is that, do you think that is something you're born with? Or do you, is it something you, you, you nurture, you, you build? Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. do you know what I'm trying to say? Because I, how do you, how do you? Is it, is it nature versus nurture? Yeah. I think to some extent, it's, it's definitely, I don't know. It, that's a really tough question. There, there's, there's certainly what I do know for sure is there's certainly a nurture aspect to it, and I'm not sure if it's something that's like. I, I think about this a lot, actually. If it's if it's something that's you know, brought out by your experiences in the military, like maybe you already had it in you, but it was those experiences that like exposed it. Um, but if I had not joined the military and gone the soft route, became a Green Beret. Like I would, there's no way I would have like this, just like inner, like intestinal fortitude to figure things out. Like I, I know that if there's a problem in front of me, I can solve it. Um, it's a figure out ofness that like, it, I, I can, I, when my, when my back is against the wall, I know that I'm okay. Um, and, and I think that that is what makes us probably, you know, very successful in, in entrepreneurship. Yeah, and I, I think there's there's also a perspective shift. You know, I I can be the the most calm, resilient person in the world, but if you don't have a um, a perspective baseline to reference things from, um, I think you, you'll still be, relatively speaking, a little bit more high strung. And that's that's why people do stuff like tough mutters and uh, Spartan races because they want to have something that challenges them. Most, most people that go day to day from, from their couch, to their car, to their, de- their office desk, back to their couch, back to the kitchen table, into their bed. Like, they have very little physical exertion. They have very little uh, mental strain outside of work-related stress, which, you know, it still triggers a fight or flight, but that's because they don't have anything else as, as a reference, where even if you just, even if you've never been to combat, just going through SEAL training and the the workup cycle that that we do it, it gives you a, a different baseline of of what struggle is and you know what 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 is an area where you should be actually stressed versus you know i'm i'm warm i'm dry mm-hmm. i'm fed i'll be able to work through this this adjusted timeline on my tps report uh, but there's so many people that they don't have anything else that that 
that timeline shift of this business acquisition. That's now the craziest thing in the world to them. And they start freaking out. The cortisol spikes, their adrenaline spikes, um, and they don't have any way to, to regulate it because they don't, they're not regularly exposed to, to anything that gives them perspective shift. And that's why uh, Commander, well, I think he's Captain Hennessy now, uh, if he's still in, he was the, the CEO of Buds. And when, he, when we finished Hell Week, he, he talked to us um, you know, in our delirium. I remember him saying one thing is do one thing every day that challenges yourself. It doesn't have to be Hell Week. But, you know, taking an ice bath, taking a cold shower, doing a hard workout, do something that reminds you of there are hard things out there much worse than than what you're going through at the moment. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I've always wondered, you know, I, I sometimes think to myself, um, if you were bored with that mindset, or like you said, Greg, something has happened where you, where you had to, to use it and then you kind of hone in on it. Before you guys joined the military, had you been outside the States? Mm-hmm. Where had you, nope. you, you hadn't been? Where, were, where had you gone, nope. Kevin? Had you, like, got on vacation? Yeah, I'd, I'd traveled a lot. My, my dad um, was a doctor, and he would do medical conferences, uh, and he would double down on, on those conferences as, as like, family vacations. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'd been to Brazil, Mexico, um, Europe. Those are the main ones. Um, he traveled around a lot too, and so my, I was fortunate that uh, yeah, I, I was exposed to a variety of of things that I, I probably honestly at that age took for granted. I just assumed that 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 was normal. Let me ask you both this: obviously, you didn't go to Afghanistan or Iraq on vacation. No. So uh, no. I ask service members this question, and I'm always you know intrigued by the the responses. So you're you've been told you're going on deployment. It's your first deployment. You rack your shit up, whatever, you get it ready. You're coming into land, say, I don't know, I don't, Afghanistan, I'm just throwing that out of my ass. Um, you come into land, and in my head, what happens is the doors open and you see the land for the first place. Right? It's just, what, are you, what are you thinking? What are you thinking, Kevin? It's the first time, uh, I, I think of it like in the movies, you know, the C-150 or whatever it is, the doors open and everybody's standing there like this, you know. Um, I know it's not like that. So, so I flew into to Camp Leatherneck in Afghanistan, um, Helmand Province, and legitimately, I, I was joking around for most of the deployment. I'm like, I feel like we just flew around in the air for 24 hours and then landed back in Palm Springs because it, it just looked like barren, dry rock. It, it looked all the same. There's the mountain on the on the far horizon. Uh, Camp Leatherneck is is in a uh, a river valley basin, uh, like. There was no birds around. It was really weird. Like you'd see a bird, you're like holy shit, there's there's life out here. Um, it was definitely not the the scenic north that you see a lot of the picturesque footage from, where you know there's the 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 tiered mountainsides uh-huh. with, with crops. Leatherneck is the middle of a dry riverbed. It was just rock and dirty and dusty, sandstorms. It was hot. It was like 130 degrees during the summer. Uh, so yeah, I, I would often joke them like, "Where does where does it twenty nine palms?" <laughs> it's all a joke. Were there, any, were there any structures, or was it just like, was there like just the base? Okay. <laughs> My experience was a little bit different. We were we were over in Nangahar, so we were over in the Hindu Kush. I mean, so that that area is, I mean, it's beautiful. Like, I I think to myself, like, man, if we could ever like end up visiting here, it would be really cool, just because it's such a 
picturesque place. Uh, but then when you zoom in and then you, you know, go into hit these villages and stuff like that, it is like literally the stone ages. Um, and they're powered by like car batteries. That's how they're getting electricity. Their water, it's all, I mean, obviously it's, it's all well water. Like it is, it is primitive. Um, and that is, that was for me, like, I've, you know, you know it, but like when you see it, you're like, wow, these guys are, this is a whole nother level. Um, and then you think about the people that you're fighting and you're like, wow, these guys, I mean, these, these guys were raised in this, they've been living this and they have no problem with it. This is their normal. And it, it, it almost gives you a little bit of like of respect for, for what they're like for them. Right. As a, as a fighting you know, culture. Yes, when mm-hmm. my mom had had a conversation with uh, with Good, um, you know, they obviously there's a big like, yeah, and you know, my mom was the kind of woman that uh, put all the English words that she knew together and said them in one sentence. And if you didn't know what she was talking about, <laughs> so um, I take that for my mom. Uh, but I remember my mom in her broken English was saying to do this basically. Don't like anybody over there, and um, any of the relatives that are over there, we don't talk to them anymore. So hey, if you want to press the button, just go right ahead, just nuke it. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. And and uh, she's like this, and she's very matter. She's very matter of fact. But she's like, yeah, just nuke it because you know what you're doing. You're fighting the mindset. You're never going to fight the mindset. You know, you're never going to win that. And um. And then she turned around and my guy's just sitting there looking at her like, okay, I'm like, did she just say what I think she just said? She wants us just to nuke the place. <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, it was, um, it was very simple. War was very simple to her. She had been, and I never knew this about my mom either. She had a little tattoo right there on her uh, hand. And for the longest time, I just thought, my mom, you know, being a little old Indian woman is quite progressive. She's got a tat. Can't be cool, you know? Did not realize until towards the end of her life that um, she had actually been in a concentration camp on um, in India, on the border of Pakistan and India, where they still fight about Peshwar today, you know? Um, and I guess when Pakistan had invaded, they you know, scoop up all the girls, you know, and um, in a concentration camp. And um, my mom was told, she said, uh, the only way you're going to get out of here is if you, um, you know, renounce your religion and marry a god and, you know, convert and whatever. And she was just like, you know, I'll take my chances. And, um, <laughs> you know, she's like, I ain't giving up my religion. I ain't going to do that. So, and, you know, it just so happened with the British, the Brits invaded, you know, and that wasn't a tattoo. It was the brand, they branded her when she was in the concentration camp. And I just thought, you know, I never knew this about my mom until towards the end of her life, but it really explained that her going through that trauma, I guess her mindset, you just have to switch, you know, to survive, you know. Um, And she was actually on a BBC documentary because she was one of the oldest... um, you know, sassy little Indian women that were alive when they when they recorded it. You know, and um, we have a limited number of people that we can talk to. <laughs> you know, and I, my my yeah. biggest concern because I'm a numpty head. My biggest concern is mom. Sure. 
in one yeah. until you get it right. But no, again, so I just think again when you talk about the mindset and that of the world, you know, um, and I well, it's just that generation yeah. as a whole. You know, they 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 kept a lot of those those pains and those miseries uh, to themselves. Where nowadays everyone wants to flaunt their their adversity and wear it as a badge of honor like i had to deal with this you know our, our grandparents they never they went through the the great depression they're like i didn't everyone did that i don't know but i'm not special yeah you, you know it's funny because what my dad told us about cautious about racism was really simple because we lived in a predominantly white area and you know my dad was an incredibly respectful person and he was always like listen bring their country we, there's some things that we, we need to kind of monitor, right? Um, but he was always like, just be good to people. That is his big thing, just be good to people. And and I remember coming through our window once and um, he looked at everybody and, you know, so is everybody okay? And we're like, yeah. And he went, listen, there is nothing wrong with you guys. Absolutely not. There's something very wrong with those people outside. They are the ones with the problem, not you. Dot your eyes, shoot teeth. If you do the right thing, you cannot go wrong. He was a real simple kind of guy, just do the right thing. He couldn't understand why people couldn't get that right. So do the right thing, man. You know, um, and so never at any point, and, and I come from a, a place where you walk down the street and you just a bottle, you know, jostled and whatever, you know. Maybe it's like some people are a little bit hardened to death, unfortunately, because it's happened a few times. I'm just hardened to that kind of thing. So again, I don't, you know, I don't think it's an issue. It's not been an mm -hmm. issue for me. The first time I was interviewed stateside, the first question I asked girl's man, and she was half my age and some, was, hey, you know, this is good. What is it like for you being a woman um, in America and a woman of color? Um, you know, what are the issues? And I looked at it and I went, whoa, 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 whoa. First of all, having TNA has never, ever been a deficit to me. I said, and the last time I drove by Coronado Beach that a bunch of white people wanted to get to be the same color as me. So again, no deficit. I said, so I cannot be a poster child. I just come from a school of do good, do hard work, do the right thing. You know, um, America has been good to me. You know, um, I've experienced experience shit, man. See, again, I'm lucky. You know, I went to. You hang out with somebody like, you hang out with a knuckle dragger like good. Like, people are going to think twice before they uh, <laughs> do too much. <laughs> Listen, you know, when you, this is when you realize. That maybe as a spouse, you need to take a step back and just maybe you've gone overboard. Is when your partner looks at you and goes, You know, lady, I think I've had an easier day in the cave with a towel. And then we, I gotta calm down a little bit. <laughs> maybe I should just, but no, yeah, I mean, simmer down. Yeah, but, um, now, I haven't experienced those things, and I'm, again, very fortunate, and I just think to myself, let's just fucking rock and roll forward, America. Let's just move on forward. Let's go. Let's go. You know, let's build businesses. Let's make people financially independent, because that's important, you know. 
being financially independent and creating that self-wealth gives you that that almost second wind to keep it going, you know. And there's so many of us mm -hmm. out there that got so many great ideas that we just need to do it. My advice to everybody out there is if you've got an idea, the only time you're not going to make it is when you stop trying. I think that right there is is fantastic spot to end this on. Like, just keep going, push through. Yeah, it goes right there with with the podcast. Don't don't quit. Beat the uh, beat the other eighty percent just by putting out ten episodes, and then just keep going from there. Listen, man, I got no shame. I'm gonna keep on going. Keep on going. Please do. Yeah. <laughs> well, Surrender, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Um, if you want to, real quick, drop through your uh, your social media handles, uh, your podcast, and any other information you want people to know about. Yeah, my new website is www.surrendergood.com. G O O D E dot com. Um. And surrenders S U R I N D E R. Target practice. There we for, go. For everybody on YouTube, yeah, you it's in the back. Um, <laughs> I'm on Instagram at the Dude Show. I'm on Spotify. Um, follow me, DM me, tell me what you think. That's the other thing I think. Sit with feedback. Give me some feedback. Um, that's where I am. I've got to say, it has been an honor to be on. I really appreciate you guys having me on because you never know what you're going to get. You took the risk and I appreciate it.